Ladies and gentlemen, the show is about to begin. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your first half of your main event of the evening. I am the sickest one of them all behind the mic of the podcasting world, Sick Vic. And of course, this is killing the business worldwide. Our guest today, she has technical skills like Alex Shelley, killer instincts like Sabu, and bloodthirsty like the Necro Butcher. She is the goddess of gore and the world's toughest broad, Randy West. How are you doing today? That's me. It's funny you use those three because Alex Shelley was my sparring partner when I trained. Sabu was one of my influences when I started doing death matches, and Necro Butcher is the reason that uh, I even liked death matches in the first place. So that's fantastic to use those three people. That's amazing. Well, all your trainers I came up with, like, you have, you have like Ian Rotten. He, he I almost put him in. I he, because I he's a legend in the hardcore scene and with ECW. So I was like, I almost put him in. But I figured, yeah, hey, yeah, like, um, on and on and on and on. And you'd be like, I'm kissing your ass, which I am. But, you know, it's. So I originally, uh, I was originally trained by Truth Martini uh, in Detroit. And Alex Shelley was my sparring partner. He had just come back from uh, breaking his clavicle bone. So he's he's retraining um, and getting back into it when I started. So everything like when he, I was telling everything that him and like Chris Saban did as Motor City Machine Guns in that first year of like TNA. All those moves were tried on me at one point. <laughs> I was the guinea pig for that shit. Like, hey, Randy, let me try this move on you. I'm like, well, what is it? Well, don't worry about it. I'm like, yeah. okay. Stay right here for a second. Stay right here. <laughs> don't move. I'm, I'm just going to bend you into a pretzel, flip you upside down, and drop you onto my, my knee on your head. No big deal. Make- it's cool. So what, <laughs> so what made you decide again to professional wrestling? Uh, well, and when I was younger, I always, I always enjoyed wrestling. So I used to watch it with my grandmother uh, from the time I was five until, you know, she passed away uh, when I was 21. And she actually, uh, I, I had met, I'd always wanted to be, but I didn't think like, I didn't know that there was like independence. I only, I thought it was like WWE, uh, WCW and, and ECW. Like that was it. <laughs> you know, like there was, that was the end all be all. And then um, when I got older, I had went to college and I had went on a sports scholarship and I had ended up preseason of basketball. I ended up hurting my back. And the doctor had said, <laughs> first time in my life, I was told uh, if I if I did something um, like contacty, like as far as if I got hit the wrong way in basketball, I would be paralyzed for the rest of my life. Yeah. So I... <laughs> At going on a scholarship, you know, like that's that's how I was paying for college was through basketball. So um, they took that away. So I, I quit college and I came home and I ended up meeting my kid's father and he was a wrestler. He was an independent wrestler. And I'm like, what the fuck is an independent wrestler? <laughs> and he right. told me and I went I went to my first show, which was run by um, Gene Miller. It was in Brownstown, Michigan. Mean, mean Gene Austin. God, he's still, he's, I love him to death. He's still running in Mississippi. He's fantastic. But uh, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I want to do this. And he introduced me to Briar Wellington, Truth Martini, and then the rest is history from there, you know? Uh, That was in, I started training originally in 2001. Uh, I ended up getting pregnant 
I had my daughter February of 2002. I finished my training and had my first match September 23rd of 2002. <laughs> so very, very short amount of time after uh, I had my daughter, I was in I was in the ring and wrestling my first match. What got you to the deathmatch scene? Uh, actually, so I was I was working shows in Detroit. Um, it was called IWR, and they would bring in homeless Jimmy and Necro Butcher, and they would wrestle each other with like Necro Butcher was coming out with the pig head still, and homeless Jimmy he had his cart uh, his uh, grocery cart of all of his weapons, and I'm watching these guys and I'm like, holy shit, this is amazing! Like, this is what I was doing on the streets, you know, <laughs> before I became a trained wrestler. Like, I was literally fighting for my life like this, you know, pick up a brick, pick up whatever, and hit somebody with it. So, uh, it it really interested me what they were doing, and I got really excited about that. And then I met Sabu, and Sabu, you know, he he kind of, I wouldn't say like talked me into doing stuff, but like he made it sound so appealing, even more appealing than it already was just seeing it, you know? So I had talked to him and then um, he had, he had given me a couple of little advice and stuff like that. And then I did one, I started off with like, you know, chairs or tables, you know, just something small, just to see if it was something I could handle. And then eventually it just morphed, morphed and morphed and like about probably around like 2012. So it was, it was a good 10 years after I'd already been wrestling before I finally started doing anything hardcore. And then um, 2014, Ian called me. Uh, well, 20, sorry, let me back up. 2006, Ian called me and asked me if I'd like to be in Queen of the Death. And I told him no, because I was only like four years in. I didn't know, you know, I don't, and I'm not doing that yet. And then 2014, when he called me again, I said, absolutely. And that was the year that I ended up winning Queen of the Death. So that was like my first major tournament that I did and I won it and it was, it was awesome. And then it was just full steam ahead from there on. <laughs> well, I have to ask, what's the hardest object weapon you've been hit with? Oh God. Um, let me see. I think like, so hardest or worst? Cause both. So the hardest it had to be, uh Satu Jin had a door that he had he had like swung at me and it was so hard because it took us like four or five times of slamming each other on it for it to finally break so the PC picked up and hit me with it was basically cement <laughs> even though it was wood that's what it felt like uh the worst worst thing I've ever been hit with was cactus fuck a cactus they're terrible I hate them <laughs> would you say that Legos hurt more than thumbtacks. Yes. Uh, we've all stepped on a Lego. We yes. all had a, yeah. a, a niece or a nephew or a son or a daughter or somebody that's had Lego and they've left it out in the middle of the floor and you step on it and you're like, son of a bitch, what the fuck? Uh, it's the exact same thing, only, you know, you're landing on it on your back or your arm or your like, They just suck. And thumbtacks is just like a, a pierce and it's done. Or if, if it pierces you and it stays in, like it, even taking it out doesn't hurt as bad as stepping on that little piece of four four square Lego. Yep. Oh, I don't know. No, thank you. <laughs> the only people who would disagree are people who never had kids or you know, yeah. never, like babysitter or anything like that. Haven't had the the pleasure. <laughs> yeah. I would say. 
pleasure. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Middle of the night. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. But anyways, so for my audience, how would you describe your finisher and why is he a finisher of choice? Uh, I have a couple. Um, I really like to use the, the the guillotine as a finish, the guillotine choke, just because uh, I'm a smaller person. So I've always uh, thought that if you can't breathe, you can't fight. <laughs> so if I if I choke them out with the guillotine choke, you know that that's it, it's it's the the oldest oldest adage, you know, you take them take out their their lungs, and you take them out total totally. So I like to use the guillotine uh, because again, you can use it on anybody, any size, any anything like that. Um, I have been using shadows over hell. Uh, which has been uh, fairly effective, except for recently, a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, I really like that one just because it, it's it's kind of a surprise. Like your opponent is down and they don't expect you to like jump on their back, you know, do a splash onto their back. You know, that it's almost like a sense of comfort. And then I ruin it. <laughs> So like I really like that one too because you can catch it out of nowhere also, um, but yeah, those those are the two that I really like the most. I I was using the bear trap driver for a while, but for some reason I keep, you know, destroying my head and my face when I use it to try and do it off the apron. So I've kind of stepped back from that one. <laughs> uh, I I ended up when I wrestled Jules Malone at um, Death Becomes Her Two for the finals that I for the finish I gave her the the bear trap driver through a table on the outside and I ended up smacking my face right here and it swelled up. I jammed my canine tooth up into my nasal cavity and pinched a nerve. I had no feeling in my face for like two years before I went and finally got my tooth pulled out and the new one put in. Uh, so I had no, once they pulled it out, even with the the numbing and the Novocaine and everything, I felt the feeling go back into my face. Like it was insane. Uh, and then the second time I did it uh, was against Mickey and we tried to do it through, it was um, a door on two chairs and then two chairs on top of that with a pane of glass. Right. And, and when we went, I ended up, uh, I cracked my skull open. Let me see if I can get up in here for you. Okay, and I call it, yeah, that was uh, 14 stitches, no concussion, no cracked skull, no bleeding in the brain, nothing like that. Doctor said I have a hard head. <laughs> Uh, but I, I did get the 14 stitches and that took me out for a couple of weeks. So I don't use that move anymore. Yeah, that was the um, that was the injury against Mickey Knuckles that was all over social media, wasn't it? Yeah, at Horror yeah. Slam. Yeah. Yep. Hey, that, hey, 14. Nope. You got lucky. Yeah, it was, was it was it was pretty gross too. Like and, and everybody's like, um, after it happened, I'm, I've got the, the towel taped on my head. And they're like, you need to go to the hospital. I'm like, listen, give me a minute. Somebody give me a cigarette. Somebody give me a joint because I'm going to be at this hospital at the emergency room for a minute. And they're not going to let me smoke either one of them. So yeah. I'm going to smoke both of these and then I'll go to the emergency room. <laughs> and I did. My cousin took me and his, his girlfriend. I just met her that day. It's her first time ever at a wrestling show. She sees me and she's in the car with us going to the emergency room. She's like, how are you so calm? I said, who am I going to get pissed off at? Myself? Like, I did, I did it to myself. And if I get pissed off, I'm just going to bleed more. And it's going to be a whole mess. Like, just sit here calm, get taken care of, and go home. What a great first impression. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 
<laughs> she, she was only a, about a month long after that, and then she was gone. So she's crazy. <laughs> after seeing that, she's like, "Oh fuck, no! I don't want to be part of this family. I don't want nothing to do with this family." <laughs> and she's calm too. That means she she's probably likes it. And it's like, and, and like it didn't help that my cousin like described me as like his uh, like I've always been like the the cousin that protects him and sticks up for him and stuff so like she automatically like oh if i fuck with him she's gonna kill me <laughs> so what championships have you won in your career oh let me yeah, see it's a goal behind you right now yes this is the the beautiful women's chaos championship i'm the inaugural champion uh i've had it for i think a little over a month now i'd actually have to check the numbers but a little over a month maybe a month and a half uh, I just recently, just recently lost my, my Rust Belt Championship, good old Rusty, after 595 days. That son of a bitch, Tommy Vendetta, cheated his way through and ended up rolling me up after a very nice Shadows Over Hell. Um, so yeah, I've had that one. Uh, the AWR women's title, I had that for over two years. I've had the IPW women's championship. Um, I have won Queen of the Death Match 2014. I won Death Becomes Her 2 Death Match Tournament in 2019. And I won the Goddess of Gore 2 Death Match Tournament in 2021. Yes. And then there's there's been sporadic other ones throughout the time. Um, but those are like the, the major ones. Um, that I can think of right now off the top of my head because again I fall on it a lot and you know CT is a real thing. Unfortunately <laughs> it is. But who would want to challenge you for that those championships? Because we talked about it before we start recording. I mean you have like a special weapon you have special weapons I should say one yes. a dildo attached to the trash can with barbed wire which I still think that's fucking insane. It's great. So the the dildo itself, I was, uh, I did a show for mid, mid death, I believe it was, it's in Iowa. Um, um, the Carver was, was running that show and he was doing no rings. And one of the guys there, his name's, uh, Joey Knotts. He came in and he said, Randy, you're wrestling Bogat tonight. Can you do me a favor? And I said, what? He said, well, I got this dildo. Can you shove it in his face? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, absolutely I can. And so uh, I took the dildo out and we did a, a whole couple, we did like a couple different fun things in the match with it. Like I suction cupped it to a chair and gave him an atomic drop on the chair. Uh, you know, a couple fun things. And then at the end of the night, I was like, hey, uh, Joey, can I keep this? <laughs> can I keep this dildo? And he's like, yeah. He's, he's like, actually, it's my wife's. Go ask her. So I go and ask her, I go ask her, I was like, hey, uh, you know, Joey's wife, can I keep your dick? <laughs> and she's like, yes, I would be honored if Randy, if Randy kept my dick. <laughs> and I was like, all right. So then I, I started um, playing around with it. And like, there was one show, like first couple shows, I had like thumbtacks on it. And it just wasn't like the visual that I wanted, you know, as far as like a crazy ass weapon. Obviously, it's a fucking dildo. You're going to shove in somebody's orifices, 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 you know what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, 
So I wanted it to be even more like deadly looking. So I did the barbed wire one day, uh, Indrid, Indrid Cold. He's uh, one of the weapons masters. He wrapped it in barbed wire and that, that went over really well. And then um, I did a show, was it Mania Weekend, I think, in H at H2O Center. Uh, I took it out to the bocce boys and I said, hey, can you put a, can you put a suit on him? Make him look classy and professional. <laughs> and Hammer was like, absolutely, I can. Yes. And so when I came back, he had the barbed wire, but he also had the exploding poppers all around the balls, too. So not only did he poke you, but he exploded, you know, so. Uh, <laughs> and I try to hit people in the face with it. So he, he blows his load on your face. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's good. Uh, I named I affectionately named him Prickly Pete after that. So he's now Prickly Pete. And for years I was actually I was coming out with um an aluminum softball bat wrapped in barbed wire and I, I named her Cranky Karen. <laughs> so I have Cranky Karen and I have Prickly Pete. And now like on my merch table I have little they're they're fucking adorable, but they're little like um stress squeezer toys. I call little pricks and they're just little dicks, uh, you know, that are squeeze toys. Yeah. <laughs> so I got those too. So I got little pricks also, but yeah, it just came about one day, like uh, someone said, Hey, can you use this in a match? And I said, I sure can. And then it's been ever since then I've been using prickly Pete and he's, he's been pretty uh, reliable and helpful in a lot of, in a lot of the matches. Well, not only is it physically hard through the bar, but mentally to a guy, you get hit slapped in the face with a dick. That's if, if you're my opponent and like you come up to me before a match and say, hey, can you not put prick, put Pete in my mouth? It's automatically, automatically. That's the first place it's going is in your mouth. Like, don't, don't tell me how to use Pete because I'll do the exact opposite of how, what you want. So um, I had Dylan Cole. Uh, he's just a little itty bitty asshole baby. He's just a baby in the business. We call him a menace. But he came up to me uh, before a match and he said, I know you're going to use Pete on me, but can you just like beat me with him, not stick him in my mouth? I said, Absolutely. No problem. As soon as he's on that rope, that right into his mouth, it went. <laughs> it's just one of those things like nobody wants a dick in the mouth. No. Even when we don't really want a dick in the mouth, you know, we'll do it. We just don't want it. Uh, if someone does, you got to start questioning them. <laughs> right. <laughs> it goes 2023, you know, if what people want to be, that's great. That's fine. Be you. Right. you, can, you can, like, and, and women, I'm sure women, men, uh, non-binary, they want dick in the ass, dick in the, the vagina, but no one really wants a dick in the mouth. Who wants balls slapping? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's a whole to do. But we do it. Especially from a crowd, you know, it's. Yeah, that's even better. Yeah, they'll just, they'll just be afraid that they actually like it. <laughs> so what are some of your favorite matches in your career? Um, let me see. Uh, I was just recently, I watched um, The Death Becomes Her 2. It was a semifinals match against Amazing Maria. Um, and her and I, we ended up using a car door, uh, two bumpers from a car. Uh, we had a high heel. Um, it was a board with high heels zip tied to it. Like mm -hmm. the heels stick like crazy. 
and then uh, a taser. And it was the first time I had ever used a taser in a match. And I hadn't seen it done before that uh, until like it, it had, it was Necro and Jimmy that had done it the time before that I'd seen it. So it was kind of like a throwback to them, like me, um, you know, them being the really the the inspiration of why I really did get into what I did. So, uh, but that match was one of my favorites. That one and and Amazing Maria, like she's got the top two of my favorite matches. There was that one at Death Becomes Her Two, and then um, uh, H2O back in 2018, I believe they were trying to launch a women's promotion which was uh who women's uh hardcore hustle organization and her and i did the first uh women's show that they did we were the main event and it was 32 minutes long and we got every at the end of that match we got every single chant you can think of like every single one like it was crazy but we went balls to the wall and like it was so much fun so like she's got my top two mickey's my third with a our, again, our 33-minute-long match we did, it was um, Typhoon typhoon of Bundles. They gave us 200 light tubes. We broke 189 of them, and we didn't touch a light tube until 12 minutes into the match. They went full <laughs> <like> crazy on us. <laughs> yeah, and then after that, it was just like, that's nuts. You know, so, like, those are my top three as far as death matches. Uh, and then, of course, like, there's like the Bobby Beverly at Harpo's that's that's on my top five too just because like it was Harpo's and I I grew up going to Harpo's and watching like uh Slipknot and um Hatebreed Pantera Slayer I went to all these concerts there and moshed in in the mosh pit and so to be able to be the entertainer was was just like this huge thing for me and and for like my brothers that you know we used to go to concerts and watch them up there so yeah those are definitely like top four but what is it, what's, what do you think is your biggest victory in your career? Uh, absolutely, it would it would definitely have to be the 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 match against Satu Jin in Chicago um, in February. It was February twenty sixth, twenty twenty two. I always remember that day, just because it was uh, that was when I run won the Rust Belt Championship for RPW uh, because it had been such a long journey up to that point of of you know me fighting and and the different opponents that I had and and the crowd getting behind me and and wanting to know why I hadn't got that that shot yet why I hadn't got my chance at the belt and then to finally be like I, I wasn't supposed to have that match that day either uh, I was supposed to be in a four way with with uh Pondo Neil and Mickey I believe it was and Green Phantom had trouble at the border he couldn't get through so they threw me in uh he said you know uh Kohlenberg who runs RPW said well you fished your wish and the internet is done done begged me for it so uh tonight it's you and Satu for the title and I said holy shit you know I walk, just walked in the building prepared to wrestle four-way and now I'm wrestling in a championship match so uh to be able to to have that moment and to have um at the time, I didn't realize that it would be such a short time before he was gone. But to have um, SPO as the ref there too is such an important moment. Uh, it was huge for me, uh, and and like you know, I I got the three, and and Sean came over, and like I'm laying there, and I'm crying, and I'm excited, you know. And he's like, "You better stand up and get your fucking flowers because you earned every bit of them," you know. And like he was always he was always that ref, that really encouraging ref, you know. And during the match, he's like, "Man, that's good shit." Man, you know, like 
he was always that guy. So to be there with Satu, who was like one of my one of the one of the, one of my kids, I consider because you know, like he he lived with us for a while. He traveled with us. For him to be in the match and, and for the championship, and then to have SBO there as a ref, like it was a moment, you know. And like I'll, I'll always remember that. So that's probably one of my favorite and like my biggest of all the 21 years I've been doing this. That's the biggest moment that I that I consider, you know, as as far as wrestling wise. There's other ones, but that one has the most meaning to me. Is Satu Jin really that crazy? Because you see oh, yeah, him, on, you see him on TV, and he's nuts. I've had him on the show before, and he was like quiet, you know, very like to himself. And oh yeah, okay, yeah, he's very like, and it's always the quiet ones that are the craziest, you know. That's what I was thinking. Oh, oh man, they don't, they don't even know. They don't even know that cinder block. You you dropped a cinder block on my back. What the fuck? <laughs> his his voice is so quiet and it's so funny because you don't expect it to come out of such a a like mean looking presence, you know. And it's like, oh hey, how you doing? But yeah, yeah, he is absolutely fucking crazy. What motivates you to go continue your career? Uh, the fact that people, as a woman, people pay me money to beat up men in front of a crowd and I don't go to jail. <laughs> it's, it's like, uh, I, I, I joke, but like, I absolutely love it. Like, I love it. Like, so I tell people all the time, every single day of the week, life smacks you in the face with its dick, right? And you can't smack back because like, it's life. What are you going to fucking smack? But on the weekends, on the weekends, you know, the Thursday through Sunday, if life smacks me in, in the face with a dick, I get to smack it back. And that's like you end up getting like all the aggression and all the bullshit that you went through during the week, you know, and the, the fucking Sally at the fucking grocery store cutting in line with her fucking four baskets of shit. And you've got two things in your hand, that shit or, you know, like uh, the guy cutting you off in traffic. You can take all of that, all of that anger, all of that emotion, all of that, and like put it into uh, uh, your match and your character and, and and your emotion. And it comes out, you know, and you can get all of that out in 10 minutes or in 15 minutes, you know, and then you start your week over fresh again. So like it helps to motivate as far as, um, you know, mental, mental health wise, it that's yeah. what keeps me motivated is to be able to clear my myself and start in, again, you know, as far as like anger and all that, because I had some anger issues when I was younger. <laughs> a little bit. And that person in the supermarket must really piss you off. Where you <laughs> take a chair and then just to get a shot in. Oh, there's a there's a couple of times where it's just like, man, I could easily just break this fucking bottle over your head. <laughs> but you have to hold yourself back because you'll go to jail in real life. But in wrestling, you can hit somebody in the head of the bottle, and it's like, oh, yeah, you're awesome. Well, if there's witnesses, you go to jail. No witnesses. It's just. At the grocery store, you're kind of fucked. You're getting all the witnesses. Yeah, you're kind of fucked. Yeah. Mr. Hannaford's yeah. shawl or whatever. You're fucking right. Susie Rotten Crotch over here goes and testifies against you in court, and then you're fucked, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Miss Ass Kisser, yeah. Ugh. So what's the best piece of advice you've been given? Uh, let me see. So Sabu said years ago, when you're in a bar 
and you're in a fight, if someone throws something at your head, what are you going to do? Right? You're going to try and fucking stop it. Why would you not try and stop somebody from hitting you in the fucking head with a chair? Because everybody was always like, uh, you know, back in the day, it was like, I'm not putting my hand up. I'm just going to eat this chair shot. So I have to make it look real. I have to make it, you know. You also have to make it look like you have a concussion and <laughs> post-cussion syndrome, fucking CTE eventually. You know, like there's so many things, but like Sabu was always like, if you go back and watch Sabu's matches, even back then, like you see him, someone throws a chair at him, he fucking, he'll, he'll try to fucking put his hands up. Like yeah. he's not trying to, 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 um, like make him look stupid, but he's also not trying to fucking give himself brain damage either, you know? So like naturally in a fight or in some, you know, somebody throws something that you're, you're going to fucking do this. He said, so why wouldn't you do that in a death match? Yeah, it's the no same one, concept. So that no was probably the best advice no one trolled ever him over it. No one trolled him over it because it was Sabu. No one said, like, yeah. hands, you know, everyone's on social media is all quiet. It's, it's Sabu. It's like, he's going to find me and fuck me up. I'm not going to no. say anything. Yeah. And he totally would. And he'd probably do it and then go eat Hardee's when he was done. Yeah, <laughs> like, you, know. you just don't give a fuck. So like that was probably that was literally like protect yourself is basically what his what his the the whole gist of, of that whole story was just you know to protect yourself. It's supposed to be a combat sport, yes. Uh and, and death matches is, is very much um, you know, you're hurting yourself, you're you're getting cut, you're getting sliced, you're, you're getting hit with, with different objects and stuff, but you still can protect yourself. You know, you don't have to just sit there and and eat a light tube right across the face. Like that's not it, it's there's still an art form to it and protecting yourself is part of the art form i guess i guess you would say pwi just came out with their 250 lists of women's wrestlers why do you think they always put like wwe wrestlers on like for the top like five or whatever knowing that like someone like you you would beat the shit out of rhea ripley i am sorry oh no absolutely i would not oh absolutely i, I know like so I met Rhea before, before she, you know, when she was still blonde and little and, and on the Indies and like, uh, even then she was extremely strong and like, uh, now, now she's doing uh, different training, like as far as like uh, fighting training, like jujitsu and, and all this other background shit as far as that. So like, she would totally whip my ass. However, uh, the reason that they do put them is because as opposed to like the independent following being like, say the independent following is a hundred thousand people, right? Rhea Ripley has a million. So she's automatically gonna have, you know, 900,000 more votes for her <laughs> than yeah. I. So it's not, it, it's just, it's really, it's about the exposure and about, and, and like, and, and listen, I already told Schwartzy, like, even though we're married, I would leave him for Rhea Ripley. <laughs> if she come, come over and she said, Randy, I want to be with you. Let's get married. Let's date, whatever. I'd be like, yep, let me get a divorce from my husband real fast. I'm in. Like, she is She is a fantastic wrestler. She's in great fucking shape. She can work. She can talk. Like, she's just, she's an amazing all around, like, just person. 
you don't hear bad things about her even as her playing a heel you still don't hear bad things like I love Rhea Ripley I'm I'm super stoked that she's number one fuck yeah she's earned every bit of that um but as far as like I haven't seen the rest of the list so I don't know who else is on it I've only seen the top 10 and congratulations to Jordan Grace man because she worked really fucking hard too this year to be number number uh, 10 on that some reason I thought it was like the list was too divide was decided by like kind of like the Academy Awards. You have a small like couple people in the closet somewhere, then they go, all right, let's go pick our tent up, not based on fans. And 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 they do it, they do it on it, it's it's based on like matches one profile, the match profile itself, if it's a high profile match, um, the amount of matches that you've had in the year, uh, your social media presence your social media following like there's a lot of things that go into it and again that goes to they just get more exposure and they have you know they have just have more people as far as so like and and the fed she's wrestling with with the fed so they're wrestling what 362 days a year yeah so she's getting way more way more uh matches than any of us on the indies are even even if we're like a john wayne murdoch where we're wrestling seven times a day I said a day. I know what I said. <laughs> but yeah. So I think that's that's one of the reasons that they get honestly, they just because they have more attention, they get more attention. I never think we're for all striving to get there. Thank you for explaining that to me because I've always been bitching about this list is bullshit, you know, this is that. And if, of course, everyone who I talk to, they just go, Yeah, it's bullshit. They don't explain to me how they come up with the list. Just, oh yeah, they're kissing WWE's ass. They're just you know, thank you for explaining this to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, and it was one of those things where, like, when I first started, like, I had to have it explained to me, too, because I was like, I don't understand. Like, I'm doing all of this good stuff. And, like, so I have been wrestling 21 years. <laughs> 21. I've had different accolades, different things. I have yet to make a PWI list. And I, I honestly, I, I, I really, I accredit it to the fact that I'm just not, I'm not super present on social medias. Um, like people, obviously they know who I am. And like, like when I go places, they're like, oh my God, I, I, I followed you for this. Da, 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 da. And like, you do this and you do that. And it's just like, okay. But like, I'm not a big social media person. I don't like, I go on there, I share my flyers. I'll share the events wrestling related stuff but I don't really go on there and like hey guess what I did today I took three poops <laughs> yeah, right. you know like but I, I don't understand like I just I don't I don't understand the 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 sharing so much of your life on social media um that you end up getting lost in social media and you don't have the actual like face-to-face emotional uh connections with people because any you can write anything on social media and whatever your interpretation of it is, is how it's going to be interpreted, even though it can be the complete opposite of what I actually meant. Whereas talking to somebody in person, they can clearly see my expressions, my emotions. They know what I, you know, so it's, it, I'm, I'm not a big social media person. I do like Instagram because it's the pictures and the fun and the videos and stuff like that. So you can still kind of see stuff, but like just go in and type in shit. Eh. Yeah, the drama and the trolls. And yeah, yeah. I guess I take it you don't you don't have a TikTok account you twerk on or anything like that. No, no, not at all. No, I go on there and look at fun little um like animal videos. Yeah, 
That's what TikTok. My aunt sends me. My aunt will send me ones with like little kids doing stupid shit. You know, that's funny. <laughs> that's it, really. <laughs> so what if you could have? Since you say you want to fight Rio Ripley, but if you could fight anyone, I mean, you have a contract on the table, opponent name blank, who would you put in? Uh, active or retired? Just say, just say overall dream match. You. Rematch scenario. Uh, Reggie Bennett. So Reggie Bennett was one of the women she used to do. Uh, she wrestled uh, like LPWA in the 80s and the 90s with like Lilani, Lilani Kai, Malay Osaka, Jumpin' Mom Angels, uh, Candy Divine, all of those. Uh, and she was this bigger girl. Uh, she used to do a construction worker gimmick. And she was amazing. She went over to Japan. She ended up being like the Godzilla of women's wrestling over there. Like she could run and jump up to the the top rope and give somebody a German just like, and she, I mean, you look her up. She's a big bra, uh, but she's one of my favorites. And she ended up retiring in Japan in 1999, the year I graduated high school. So I never got a chance to work with her, but she was, she would definitely be like, that's my dream match. Absolutely. That one. Uh, I did get the 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 opportunity and the privilege of wrestling jazz um last January and she was she was on my my number she was number two on my list. So that was an amazing experience. She was so open and wonderful and like uh uh she taught like even though we were together for like one day, like she taught me so much and like we're still we still talk to each other now, you know. She 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 <laughs> I like I I almost shit myself because we were talking and like she in, in the conversation she's like yeah you know how us women that have been working so long how we think like she put me on the same level as her and I was just like oh my god oh my god because <laughs> I'm not you know but like the fact that she she was considerate and and, and said that it was just, it made me feel really good so Reggie Bennett and Jazz I got Jazz there was a top five and unfortunately. The other ones, uh, one is retired and won't wrestle, and the other two are passed away. So I don't get those two. Yeah, it was Luna Vashon in China. And the then the one that's retired. The person retired, she just put the, say, we put the dollar amount down, and it's going to get to the point well, that they're going to be like, it's okay. Dollar. It's definitely a dollar amount now because it's Victoria. Would be okay. the one, it was the other. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's it's a dollar amount. <laughs> yeah, it's a dollar amount. So, yeah. If anybody's watching and has those ducats, hey, <laughs> please look that. Hey, Luna and China, it'll be a short match. So I see it. That'd be kind of yeah. Yeah, I think like me and Luna, like I think like her and I would have a we would have had a teardown, you know. Um, I'm very very good. I'm good friends with Amy Lee Palmer. Uh, which was her tag partner for a while, was Luna's tag partner for a while, also Matt Tremont's trainer. And like she had her and Luna, if you get a chance, go on her and Luna have this uh, promo. I'll send it to you. This promo that they cut and like me and Mickey Knuckles have always talked about tagging with each other. And if we ever tag, like I want to be Luna and Amy Lee in that promo when I get older. (laughs) That's that's the one I want us to be like, it's so good. It's hilarious. She said, she said, at one point, they're like, we eat cunts like you for breakfast. It's my favorite. <laughs> so, like, it's the greatest promo ever. 
man, how, how could you, you know, you, you travel with someone, you, ha you have a, you have a smoke with someone, I almost said drink, but a smoke with someone, you're good friends with someone. What does it, what mentality do you have to have to go in the ring and just beat the shit out of them? Like, like no hard feelings, buddy, but. So when, when you're right, especially if it's a friend, like you tend to go even harder because you want, you want the match to be perfect because it's your friend. You know, you don't want, you don't want them to look stupid. You don't want you to look stupid. You want everything to be perfect for it. So especially like me and Mickey, uh, she's my stupid friend. So like we do stupid things together because we want to try and make the other one look better and elevate each other at the same time. Uh, so like you got there and you're like, I love you, man, but you know what this is. And they say the same thing. Yep. And we're like, we'll beat the dog shit out of each other. We'll keep each other protected. Uh, you know, hopefully no one goes to the fucking hospital and then we'll go and fucking smoke a joint or whatever after and, and fucking have a good time. The real thing is just trying to like work with each other to get the crowd excited, you know, and get the crowd to love it. That's all. So like that, that's, that's the main thing when you're wrestling, when you're wrestling a friend, it, it, it you tend to go a lot harder. You hit harder, you smack hard, like just happens because it's your friend. Like kind of one upmanship. It's like you hit Nikki, you get a pop, and then she hits you, and you're like, you like, oh, I got a larger pop. Oh. <laughs> and and like you're you're literally just trying to like outdo each other to see who can get the bigger pop, you know. <laughs> and then eventually it just becomes one big huge pop for both of you. So it's like, all right, we win. That's a hell of a way to outdo each other. Just beat the <laughs> shit out of the light bulbs and shit like that. Yeah. Yeah, it. I didn't say it was a, a sane, a sane thing to do. Hey, I, just, I just said it was the thing that we do. <laughs> oh, it's twenty twenty three. What is normal? That's what I say. It's like there is no normal. That's the beauty of it. That people would realize that there is no normal, and that everybody's just unique, and there's nothing like there's no no conforming to one specific thing. You can just be yourself and be whatever. It would make the world such a better place. So five years from now, what do you see yourself? Uh, hopefully, I will be training again because um, I do miss I do miss training people. Like I, you know, I trained Hoodfoot and Big Al, Alice Crowley, and I really enjoyed that. Um, if I'm not wrestling still, which I probably will be, I'm gonna wrestle until I'm you know 90 years old, God God willing. <laughs> um, but definitely, I'd like to be training again. And uh, me and Schwartzy, we're actually moving back to Michigan here within the next, like, you know, four to six months where our house is on on the market now. So uh, hopefully I'll be back up in, in Michigan, Detroit area, maybe be able to uh, get a get a day in at the House of Truth or something, you know, just to be able to to help help train the younger generation. Because the when I first started, the main thing was always leave the business better than when you found it. And I, I think honestly, in 21 years, uh, the business is better than when I first started as far as for women. Uh, because when I first started, like if something happened to you, you couldn't say anything to anybody, you know, like if you got, if, if, if a guy, if you got sexually assaulted, you couldn't say anything because if you did, you would get fucking blackballed. You wouldn't be able to wrestle in again because you'd be in trouble. So now like, with the, the the movements and saw this thing like you can actually say something and people actually listen to you now and it's not like it doesn't affect your 
So I think the business, as long as as long as you leave the business better than what it was when you came in, then you've done your job. And like, I'd really like to just continue training to be able to to have the the newer generations come in and and, and have good solid like uh, a good solid base to start, you know, and and then they can start making the business better than when they came in type stuff, you know. So uh, really like to be helping somehow to pro- to progress the business itself. So if there was a movie made based on your career and you, it's a one word title, what word would that be? Tough. Tough. Because it I, was not like, it was not easy. <laughs> it was not easy to be me or to be a woman, anything, just to be me in general uh, in the business. So yeah, that that would be like, I'm a tough broad because I take a lot of shit, but it's also like I'm a tough broad because I've been through a lot. Hey, what's up, bud? You have silk on the way. What? You have silk on the way. It's got what on the way? What was that? You so far away. You're so far away? Yes, yeah, she's very far away. Is that better? what you got on your jammies those dinosaurs no it's it's fall jammies i seen the i seen the little one on your shoulder there it looked like a pterodactyl it's leaves that's cool i got a smurf on my shirt See a Smurf. You like Smurfs? You say la 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 la. Mommy's calling you. <laughs> Go to mommy. Mommy's calling you. <laughs> you know, I know that you know podcasters. You know, they have to be quiet and no interruptions. And I just came to the conclusion one time saying, like, he's gonna barge in anyways. I might as well give him a position. So he's my IT, he's my IT director. So when um, Schwartzy was doing the um, the wake and bake in the morning on Twitch, like he would always just Booker, our, our dog would just jump up on his lap, like he tried so hard to keep him. It just it wouldn't it wouldn't happen. Or like he'd be doing it, and then all of a sudden I'd wake up and I'd come out and I'd just pop my head in, like, "Hey guys, how's it going?" <laughs> <laughs> like this bitch won't stay off my stream. <laughs> what events do you have coming up? Uh, so this weekend I have uh, in Jersey, I have the Sean Henderson present show. It's at the H2O Wrestling Center on Saturday. And then um, next weekend I will be at Baracha Pro. Uh, I believe it's in Austin or Houston. It's in Texas. Um, and it's my first time wrestling in Texas. So I'm pretty excited about that. And it's my first time I'm debuting for Baracha Pro also in a last woman standing match against uh Arna Kid Ash, I believe it is is their name. So that uh that's it's it's gonna be fun. I'm very excited about that. And then November 2nd, I'm back at Chaos uh wrestling in Michigan. Um they're up by like uh where are they running at? That's a thing. It's in Michigan though, somewhere somewhere in this area of Michigan right here. <laughs> if you're from Michigan, you know exactly what that is right there. Uh, and then 
then I got a, I think I got a week off and then I'm, I'm traveling again, uh, back to, where am I at? I think I'm in Tennessee the following weekend and then December 2nd or 9th, the 9th, they have a, in Dearborn, Michigan, RPW is doing a no ring show. So that's going to be really exciting. Flophouse has some some super exciting uh, uh, announcements coming up here uh, in the next couple of months. So I've definitely make sure to pay attention to those because I'm super fired up about what uh, Flophouse Wrestling has coming up for next year in 2024. And if anyone goes to see Randy in any of those events, if she's not there, that means Rio Ripley has swept her off her feet and took her away. <laughs> like, sorry, like, guys, Rio Ripley. You can't help it. Fucking and, gorgeous. And no matter what anyone says, they'll do the same fucking thing. You know. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, I might, I mean, I might not be head over heels over Rhea Ripley like everyone else is, but I would just I would be like, okay, let's go. <laughs> let's do this. I won't be like, oh my god. It's like, all right, well, why not? Whatever. <laughs> let's go for an adventure, shall we? Let's go exploring. Let's go check some things out. Go get so where, some can people, where can people check you on social media and get your merch? So my Instagram is probably like the, the best place to go. Uh, you look up Randy West and, and I got the Instagram on there. Uh, Facebook is Randy West also. And then the Twitter, I don't, I don't really, I don't really twit or I'm sorry, formerly known as Twitter, that X bullshit. X bullshit. Uh, yeah, I'm not really on there too much, but I do have that. Um, you can look up. It's Randy West. Like all my stuff's Randy West. I try to keep it pretty basic and normal. Um, uh, I do have a deathmatch worldwide. Uh, if you go on there, I have a, a shirt design on there. It's pretty sweet. Uh, you can get that from them. I have a Brain Buster tease. Just look up uh, wrestlers Randy West. This shirt I'm wearing right now is actually uh, in person at merch tables or contact me for order. It's not available online uh, on any of the, the stores. Uh, it is in person only. Um, so if you wanted to pick that up, they're $25 uh, plus shipping. And then I throw in, I got these awesome stickers made too. And I throw that in there as well. So if you want to, if they want to contact me, you can direct message me on uh, Facebook Messenger or on uh, Insta. And uh, we'll get that worked out. It's all all Cash App and Chime and Venmo and all those fun PayPal's. All those I have all of those. We can take care of that, no problem. Well, Randy, I appreciate you coming on today. Thank you very much. Wish you anything on IWTV.com or whatever the hell their deal is. IWTV, you go out of their app and fucking put in Randy West, and like a bunch of shit just pops up. You can watch all the old IWA stuff when I still had hair and my teeth were garbage. You know, back in the day, good stuff. <laughs> so uh check that all the way up until um the last this last weekend when we had the show against uh two twigs thomas oliver and i cheat to win vendetta and every time i tell people about iwtv they always go peacock no no not peacock iwtv independent wrestling peacock no no <laughs> stop peacocking me bro stop peacock god damn it jesus christ <laughs> not everything has to be wwe I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, yeah. The fast world. It's like living in like like in Ohio. It's like I don't want to leave Ohio. It's all about Ohio. There's a great country out there. You know, I know Ohio's Ohio. I, I, Why would you not want to leave? 
Yeah, I, I know. I appreciate you coming on today. Thank you very much. No problem. Anytime, anytime. I had a lot of fun. So glad I had a great time talking to you. I went totally off the script with my questions. It's great. Yay! That's what I like about these interviews. I love throwing people off. <laughs> and thank you for not waving a dodo in, my, in the camera. I appreciate that. No problem. No problem. He's, he's sleeping right now. He's in the bag sleep. He only comes out on the weekends. Send me the fucking prickly pizza. Like, I ain't getting paid for this. Uh, he's fucking, he's a diva. <laughs> well, sorry, prickly Pete. Maybe next time. <laughs> prickly Pete's a diva. Well, thank you very much for coming on. This is Killing the Business Worldwide, and we'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, the show is about to begin. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the second half of your double main event of the evening. Right now for this double main event, two-thirds of the three guys walking in the bar are with me. Scotty and TJ, how you doing, guys? Glad to be back. Good, doing well. Thanks, Vic. Who cares about you anyways? Our guest tonight, she has done it over, she has done it over 15 years. In this, as a professional wrestler, and we start over again. She has done it all in her 15 years of business of professional wrestling, from ring announcer to color commentator, and even a valet. If there was a championship of being a multitasker, she will be the current title holder. She is Anna Lynn. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I love that introduction. <laughs> once, once I stopped stuttering my words, it was great. <laughs> It's funny because I, I put in my bio as usually a professional multitasker. Yes. <laughs> I, I did forget to mention that on top of everything else, you're a college student. I, I'm a college student. I'm a single mom of three wild boys. I Like you said, I do. I've done everything in wrestling, including wrestling, refereeing, doing producing jobs, talent relation, operations. For, like, There's really not a whole lot I have not done. <laughs> my life stays very busy. Family aside, which one out of those achievements would you say is your favorite? Um, gosh, family aside, um, I think once I'm done with school, that will be a huge achievement for me. I mean, just being in the middle of my junior year, didn't just getting to my junior year has been a big accomplishment for me because it was obviously a very scary thing to think about. Like, oh, I have already a really busy life and I'm taking care of three children and all these other things on my plate. Like, hey, let's start school. <laughs> like, So it's definitely not been easy sometimes, but I think that's my biggest achievement right now. I read that this is your first of two interviews you have tonight. Correct. Who asked you first? Uh, well, the other one I did had asked me like months ago, but it just never worked out. Because again, where I live, I have I have to hotspot my computer to do homework, do anything. Like I get mostly just two bars and I have to set my phone in a kitchen window to do it. <laughs> and then so like, even if I can get my internet working right, I have like my three kids running around. So just, it's just not an interview kind of place. So like I, whenever I knew I was coming here and I was going to have a quiet house for a few days, like everybody that had reached out to me, I'm like, Hey, I have the time and the place to do it, <laughs> but I did get and, yours set up first. And 48 okay. different outfits for each day. So you, so it looks like you were, you didn't just do them all back to back. <laughs> Got the shirt ready to change into after this. <laughs> right. 
So tell us how you got an interest in the sport of professional wrestling. Uh, so uh, my dad was a professional wrestler here in the Oklahoma indie scene. And so I grew up in wrestling um, since I was about six years old. So I have like 10 years of being in locker rooms and studying wrestling before I decided to do it myself. Who was your dad? Uh, he was the Oklahoma striker trained under Tom Jones. Okay. okay. So your uh, your dad got to rub elbows with uh, all the uh, Mid-South uh, mm-hmm. Mid-South guys from Bill Watts territory. Yep. Very nice. Yep. Based out of Oklahoma City, he did a lot of wrestling there growing up. I remember uh, traveling all over Texas with my dad. I got to miss a lot of school because of wrestling. <laughs> That was nice. Uh, <laughs> I was definitely his traveling buddies. I remember like reading the MapQuest papers and trying not to panic and <laughs> take the blame for making us miss an exit. <laughs> so what so what school did you go to to get, you know, familiar with it? Because I guess there's not much training when it comes to like being a ring announcer or a comic telecommunicator. Well, um, I actually trained to be a professional wrestler first. Um so I trained, uh, it used to be Impact Zone Wrestling out of Lawton, Oklahoma. It was really the place that set the pace for professional wrestling and all of Oklahoma, most of Texas, and a really, really great program. Uh, I was fortunate enough to, I started working there because I knew some people through my dad. Um, and I did a lot of backstage interviews and I was actually the backstage hair and makeup person. And then I was like, Hey, I want to train. So <laughs> I did that. And it wasn't till like the end of my training that I started ring announcing and stuff like that, because I ended up being pregnant with my first child. So, and I was like, just about to debut by the time, like I found out I was pregnant. So I have full training with wrestling underneath my belt. So when you're ready to have your debut, you were pregnant. Yep. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And I, I said I was I purged there out. for a minute because, you know, I continued ring announcing. I continued doing balleting and managing and just doing a lot of spot stuff here and there. And then I was like, okay, I'm ready to like, I'll get back into training, get the ring rest off and everything. And I got pregnant again. And then, <laughs> and then basically that happened with all three of my children to the point I was like, am I cursed or something? <laughs> You're so. oh, no. it's, it's not just in the water yeah it's not. i really thought i was like is this i'm like i was almost trepidatious to get back in the ring again after my third but <laughs> you're a trooper sticking with it not giving up yeah it's a passion of mine with wrestling it's you know like i said i grew up with it and it's something i remember my my dad let me ballet for the first time when i on my 16th birthday and that's just I, it was over. It was a done deal then. <laughs> like I got that first little taste of it and that was it. That's all she wrote. Just took off from there. He probably didn't want to buy you a car. So he's like, how would you be a valet? <laughs> I got both. I got, you got both. both. There you go. <laughs> Good job. Yeah. Very fortunate. Tell us about your first night being a valet. How oh gosh. I just remember it was so long ago. Oh my gosh. Um, I wasn't fully prepared because it was kind of surprised like I had uh, like expressed to people that that was something that I wanted to do and you know like I said I went to uh, my only rule my dad had is if it was the first place he'd ever been to a company then he needed to go by himself to check it out to make sure it was appropriate for me to go other than that I was with him every single time he had a show um and so like it wasn't unusual for me to go with him and we went and I was just in regular plain clothes and he was like okay you're gonna ballet tonight and I was like what (laughs) uh 
The only thing I didn't get to stay out for the entirety of the match because in Oklahoma, they have the Oklahoma athletic commission and they're very strict about being licensed. Even no matter what you're doing, if you're ringside, you got to be licensed in some capacity. They have specific like ring announcer licensing, wrestling licensing, ref, like all the different categories. And I obviously did not have one because I don't even think they'll license 16 year olds. So I just got to do the entrance and then come back. And it was, like I said, it that was all she wrote. I was just couldn't get the smile off my face. I was ecstatic. I was super pumped up. And, you know, it was just like, you can tell, everybody was just like, well, you can tell you've been watching people do this all your life. <laughs> Jeez, it's not like you're taking a bump going through a table your first time. No. I mean, geez, come, come on, Oklahoma. We, we got to build up to that. <laughs> up to that. That's right. It was yeah. funny because whenever I was pregnant with my oldest, like I said, I, that's whenever I was like ring announcing. And I remember when the commissioner was like, you can't be ringside. I was like, there is nothing in the rule book that says a pregnant woman can't be ringside. I was like, and I am licensed to be a ring announcer. So you cannot kick me out of here. <laughs> um, I don't know if they changed that rule or not yet, but it was very frowned upon when I did that. <laughs> Whose idea was it for you to be a colored commentator? Um, so that actually happened by accident. Uh, <laughs> uh, color commentary or commentary in general was something that was very intimidating for me. Um, mad respect for people that do it. Just the improv skills you have to have to just always keep talking. And, uh, like also like, you know, I did a lot of producing, so, you know, I'm sitting there being the one talking in a lot of people's ears. So they're having to listen and speak at the same time without slowing down, without losing that train of thought and stuff like that. So I was very scared. I was very intimidated until it was literally just mm, like a year, year and a half ago where I went to go and I was supposed to be ring announcing a show. And they were like, hey, we've got nobody for commentary. Like, we need somebody on here. You need to like, can you jump on here? And I was like, oh, God, <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I can do it. Like, I was really downing myself for a minute. And like one of my good friends was just like, you have listened to probably countless amount of people doing commentary and stuff like you have enough knowledge you know with your life and experience like there, this should be no problem like suck it up and do it and I was like okay <laughs> and then I did it and you know like when I first got on obviously there was a little awkwardness because I was not sure of the flow but like by the end of the show it felt like it felt easy it's the only way I can describe it and I was like okay so now I just do it all the time like it just I was scared for nothing, basically. Still a lot of respect for the people that do it all the time because those improv skills, that's not easy to come across. Oh, they were probably drinking beforehand. <laughs> I've <laughs> seen that before, but like again, here in Oklahoma, you don't see that as much because we have such a strict athletic commission. Now, Texas is a whole different vibe. <laughs> if you have a couple of drinks, you make yourself sound like an ass. It's like, I've been mm -hmm. drinking, what do you expect? Oh, it just depends on where you're working. Now, the places that you work at, how are the fans? Um, it's very different. Like, um, so I've worked for a lot of traveling companies. I worked for, well, when I first broke in, I worked for a company that ran every single Saturday in the same exact place and stuff. So you had just like your regulars and then you kind of filtered through like people that changed and stuff. And so they were always super engaged. Like we had a lot of loyalty, um, there at this stuff. Now, when we did the traveling show, it seemed like all of our fan base was, um, it's like, I didn't realize how much of the same it was, even though we were traveling in different areas and stuff like that. 
But um, I remember working in Texas as a, for a Texas company for the very first time. And I was just like, holy shit. <laughs> like they are, Texas are probably one of my favorite fan base. Now, when I say my fan base, I've like worked in Missouri, Kansas, Arkansas, obviously all over Oklahoma. Um, I'm forgetting places because I've expanded a lot recently, but <laughs> But Texas is by far my favorite. They are so engaged and they just want to support professional wrestling too. So they're always buying merch. They're always sharing and being engaged on social media. Like they're super into it and I couldn't love it more. And so Oklahoma, like it's funny, we talk about how Oklahoma fans, like not that I'm saying it's a bad thing. Let me just clarify that. But it's like, they want to be your friends. <laughs> and, you know, we got to draw that line sometimes and stuff, but it's still like, they're still engaged and stuff, but it's more like in a friendly way. Like everybody wants to to chat with you, which I love. Like I say, I'm an introverted person, but I will sit there and talk with somebody all day long. <laughs> they just want to be, they just want to be a part of the story. Yeah. Uh, which again, like nothing bad about that or anything. It's just very, very different, even for just being, you know, Oklahoma, Texas are obviously right next to each other. And just the difference in fan base is crazy. You know, you sound like Oklahoma. It's like you hear a knock on the door and you see a fan, like some cookies going, hi, I was driving around the neighborhood. <laughs> hey, I've had people bring me food to shows. <laughs> they'll bring me food. They'll bring me energy drinks from the gas station. <laughs> I was like, thank you. I'll be worried about the food. Usually it's like a uh, store bought. So okay, okay, that's good. I'm just, no. Yeah. <laughs> Have these special no home, I need you. No, no homemade no, stuff. No, yet. no fresh fruit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love every I've never had really like a bad fan base before that I've seen. So very fortunate for that. So what states are you licensed again? Um, right now I like to stay, like, like I said, I'm a single mom to my three boys and, uh, I'm very fortunate to have like a, a very reliable babysitter, but I'm a very anxious mother as well. <laughs> so I don't like to go too far if I can't help it. So I stay relatively like around Oklahoma and surrounding states. So, uh, you know, Texas, Kansas, Missouri, Arkansas, that's where I'm at right now. Every once in a while, I'll venture out to do other things if it fits the schedule just right. But for the most part, I try to stay in my little circle. <laughs> How do you keep your sanity of being a single mother of three boys? I don't. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm married with a son and a daughter, and I hey. lost my sanity a while ago. I, hey, I'd, I'd take three boys over three girls any day. <laughs> I got four I, girls. I tell people my life is crazy, chaotic, and I'm raising feral children, and I love it. They all have big personalities, and and I love that. I want them to continue having big personalities and have that strong will. It's just, you know, we got to survive them <laughs> raising them. Um, but, you know, and of course, they're obsessed with wrestling, too. It's about the only thing that comes on my TV. Even my my youngest that just turned two years old, it's all we want to watch in our house. And the house is wrestling stuff <laughs> everywhere. You, like, got a little, you got a little luchador. Oh, yeah. I, oh, we have a crap ton of masks. <laughs> and they're always doing the. I said I made a post one time on social media. I was like, we don't do dress up. We do character development in my house. <laughs> 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 nice. Yeah. So what, 
So either so thing. I guess, that, I guess that makes you the president of talent relations. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Another, just another job to add on to your resume. Mm hmm. Yeah. You need to copyright that and use that as part of your character. <laughs> it's right. fun. It's a we we have fun. My boys are they're fantastic, and I couldn't ask for better kids. And like I said, they've all got big personalities, and I love it so much. And I love when I get to bring them on my journeys in wrestling too. I have some of my like I said, I couldn't talk about outside of uh, inside with family and stuff. But you know, if we're talking about family, it is my biggest accomplishment to be able to give so many opportunities and adventures for my kids that I've gotten through wrestling. So I'm thankful for that. So either being a valet or a commentator, what's some of your most memorable matches that you either called or was part of? Ooh, um, there's, oh man, there's a period between about the end of 2016 and, um, 2019 where I got to do a lot of character work and that was probably my favorite period of time in my career um that's when I got to work really closely with people like MVP Justin Roberts I even got to know on a personal level which blows my mind with like Sting uh Kevin Von Erich um a lot of really big influential people in the company and uh that gave me opportunities. Like I got to work in a match with MVP for an impact taping. Um, that was probably one of the biggest matches in my career. Um, I got to do um, like a bit with Jeff Jarrett on a show where I attacked him. <laughs> um, you got, you were a fan that attacked him? Uh, no, that's uh, my character. I do, um, whenever I'm not ring announcing, I do a character called Defiance in Red. When I have, I'm, like, it's all on my social media. I have like bright red hair and real creepy, cre creepy vibes. <laughs> uh, so that's one of my favorites. And stuff. I got to do um, interviews with uh, Mean Gene. That was really, that was surreal. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I'm very, very fortunate for that period of time in my life. And that's when I was um, basically CEO of a company. So that's whenever like I was doing all that on screen, but behind the scenes, I was also head of talent relations and live operations manager and producing shows and stuff. So like everybody that worked with the company, like I had a hand on working with every single person. So, you know, I got put in a Steiner recliner on one of those shows, like, <laughs> um, like a lot of with, really cool stuff I got to do on those. So like all those as a whole. With all this knowledge and all these things that you've learned about the business, mm -hmm. have you have you ever reached out to the bigger companies to, to see if there's a way you could uh, you could chip it's, in? It's crazy because like I, don't, I can't tell you why, but that was never something that crossed my mind until like one day, just like not even a year ago. Uh, my mom asked me, she was like, how come you haven't applied for like a job through like WWE or AEW? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and she was like, never thought about it. like, if you, <laughs> yeah, I literally was like, I don't, I don't know. That's a good question. And, you know, I think a lot of times I get so immersed, you know, being a parent, you know, you want to be present, you want to be there. So you don't think about things like, you know, if I worked for one of those companies, I'd be on the road all the time. And that's, you know, scary to me. Um, you know, as a parent and, you know, my mom's just, my mom's like the biggest supporter. Like my mom is my rock. I love her so much. She's 
hundred percent reason why I'm where I'm at in my career and then get to do all the things that I get to do. Um, you know, she's like, you know, you work at a job like that and you have enough money where, you know, bills will be paid for both of us. And so I can be, I can help you with the kids and, you know, you don't have to think about it as you're on the road, not getting to see your kids. You're it's, you get to do what you love and your kids are taken care of and still get to go with you. And I'm like, well, I don't think about it. <laughs> and, you know, so it's been on my mind now that she brought that up. Um, it's just now I'm, I've got, I'll be finished. I should, I'm projected to graduate November of next year. Um, so, cause I'm in an accelerated program. So once I'm done with that and, um, I have my two degrees and stuff, well, that will mm -hmm. open me up for probably a lot more opportunities, I think, in what I want to do. All right. I think AEW would be a better fit. Just like WWE's road schedule is a lot more like, a lot more heavier. Than yeah. AEW. That's true. Well, of course, there's the there's the NWA too. They seem to be growing, and uh, yeah, now they now they got their show on uh, the the CW network. I think is what I read. I you know I'm a fan of their company too. I'm a fan of MLW and what they're building right now. Um, there's a lot of companies on the up and coming right now, and you know I got my eye on them. <laughs> Do you think the birth of AEW was a the big boom for independent wrestling? Um, I don't know. I don't know if I'd call it the big boom, but it gave some, it gave a lot of people a, a different goal. Like, you know, it used to be a lot of people were just, I want to get it to WWE. I want to get to WWE. And, you know, with having just one major company for everybody to set their path to, you know, like, obviously not everybody's going to make it. And so with AD, AD, um, AW popping up, you know, that gave a lot of people a different direction to go. And they're different as far as their infrastructure and stuff goes from WWE. So it's like, there's a lot of different opportunities for them. And it's just, it's so crazy how different they run each other. Um, and I think it definitely set a path where the popularity of competition upped. And so that's where I feel like there's the growth of indies and stuff because you know we have all these people now like okay we have different goals we have two places we can go now and both are taking all these extras and everybody you know of course we don't have like the um aw dark anymore but there's still other opportunities I just saw um somebody I know get a uh, match with Lance Hoyt uh just recently with AEW and stuff so it's it put a fire underneath indie wrestlers and just the whole scene in general it's just everybody's just like we've got to up our game we've got to do better and wrestling is gaining more popularity with fans and just the general public so again that's lighting a fire underneath people I just I see a lot more people working a lot harder now and I love to see that well when you also I say that you know like you see a professional wrestler from let's say major league wrestling for example who goes to AEW, even jobs out, that would get fans going, hey, I like that. Where's that guy from? Mm -hmm. Puts more eyes on MLW as well. Yeah, it's a it's a win-win situation for the people that get to do that. And, you know, and it gets more for the indie wrestlers and stuff like that, you know, when they get those matches through AEW and everything, that's like a thing that can get them more traction on the indies and stuff like that. And then I love to see it. I love when I get to see people I know on there. It makes my heart so happy for them. <laughs> I think the uh, big boom for the for the indies is not when AEW came out. 
but back when they did the uh, all in yeah uh, that that was i mean that blew the door wide open an independent show selling out chicago over ten thousand people exactly it you know it gets the fans excited because it's something new it's a new style like i said it's so different from wwe different from the inside out and so that gets the fans excited and then like i said it lights a fire underneath everybody that's in the business so like they're they're wanting to ride that and everything and so again it just i love seeing it. i'm one like i i speak a lot whenever i speak and address locker rooms like i love seeing hard work and passion and when i see that in somebody else like i'm rooting for you when i see that and um, that makes me not want to only work hard for myself. It makes me want to work hard for you because if you have the same passion as I do, you have, or not even the same, but if I just see somebody that cares and sees that passion, like it just, it makes me light us a fire underneath me. Just like, again, for me to do better and to help them do better because you bring up people with you. Have you watched the Netflix series, The Wrestlers? I have not got a chance to do that. Like I said, really just wrestling shows themselves is what like, stays on our tv but at the same time we don't watch my tv itself hardly ever comes on because like i have again i have really really poor internet <laughs> like i can only run one device at a time and usually so if i'm sitting down doing something that requires <laughs> internet it's probably homework and you got to hug a telephone pole to do it oh man it's awful. I, I love living in the middle of nowhere. Um, like I said, I live in the middle of nowhere. Um, I'm like 45 minutes from the nearest big town and it's not even big. Um, <laughs> and uh, like I have a nice, really big yard. It's safe for my kids can go outside without me. And I know nothing's going to happen to them because I don't, I only have one neighbor um, <laughs> and they don't even live directly next to me. So but like one of the major downfalls is like they don't provide internet out there so i have to hotspot off my phone and then my phone only gets two bars max and so oh. it, it's a struggle <laughs> oh i live in like a countryside of southern vermont and i understand once yeah. in a while like we set my modem for no reason because it's not catching yeah oh it's, it's so miserable up here it's so miserable <laughs> Especially before you do a show, you're like, you'll be live. And all of a sudden, no Wi-Fi. Yep. It's just like, that's all. So what motivates you to stay in the business? You know, you have a beautiful family. You know, what motivates you to keep going? My passion for wrestling. I I love it. And I... uh, Borderline addicted to the feeling of doing it. (laughs) I think that's safe to say. And it's just, like I said, over the years, I've seen wrestling give me so much. So I feel like it's only right to give back to it and to continue giving, doing better and doing more and constantly getting better. You know, going to school, I'm double majoring in business with an emphasis on entertainment as well as production. So again, I can further, you know, do better in wrestling. Um, I wanted a still proof resume is basically what I was going for. (laughs) Um, so it's just, it's my passion. I, I love it. There's very few things in life that, you know, can top my love and passion for wrestling. And um, like I said, it's been something that's been in my life for almost the entirety of it. So, and I think it's again, like I see these young people, it's crazy. Cause like when I was in the locker room, when I first started, like I was so much younger than everybody around me. 
And now like, I just recently had this one kid come up to me and he was like, you used to, you know, work down in Lawton, right? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, I remember in high school coming to watch you. And I was like, what? (laughs) And that was like, uh, between like 2012 and 2015. And I'm just like, I'm slightly hurt by that statement, (laughs) but it's what I love about it is now, like I have so many years and so much experience that, you know, I can help the kids that are coming up that were once me. I can be the person that I needed when I was coming up. And that's something that motivates me too. There's nothing I love more than trying to mentor and help those that are wanting to better themselves and do better in professional wrestling. It's, I love it. I love doing that. That really must be a a surreal feeling when fans come up to you and say like, oh, you know, I've watched you. You're good. You're great. You know, that's really cool. You know, that must be a real surreal feeling. I've had, I feel like there's so many moments where I've really had to like, you know, they say pinch yourself to make sure like you're really there in these moments and stuff. Like um, there was one time, uh, it was the first time I was, like I said, in that uh, COO position and uh, I was everything that could go wrong on the show was going wrong. And I mean, everything. So I was running around with it, like a chicken with its head cut off. By the end of the day, I had blisters on my feet. Like, I mean, it was a crazy day. And I remember just at one point, I just feel this heavy hand on my shoulder just stopped me in my track. And I'm just like, what the heck? And I look and it's Kevin Von Eric looking at me. And he addressed me by my shoot name. He was like, hi. He was like, I've heard so much about you. It's nice to meet you. My name is Kevin. And I was like, yes, sir. I know who you are. It was just like, it literally, when you say like time just stopped, like literally I'm going, 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 bouncing off a wall. And then just everything just stops. And there like Kevin Von Erica is addressing me by name. And he's like, I've heard so much about you. It's nice to finally meet you. And I'm just like, holy shit. Like there's moments like that. Um, my son, my oldest son used to be obsessed with John Cena, of course. And uh, we had a DVD that he watched all the time. And so, um, and it was back then it was Justin Roberts who was announcing for WWE. And right. um, so it was Justin Roberts who we always mimicked and played, you know, for him to announce and you know, be John Cena when he'd do his dress up stuff. And then we started working for Justin Roberts uh, or he worked for us. And uh, so as a surprise for my son's third birthday, I took him backstage and he got to hang out with Jake Hager and Justin Roberts and Justin like bent down and was just like talking to him. He was like, Hey bud, like, do you know who I am? And my son's like recognizing him. He's like, yeah, very confused about what's going on. And then all of a sudden John Cena's music plays and Justin's like, eye level with my son. He starts doing the full John Cena like intro while my son we had brought my son to the show we were doing in John Cena gear and he just turns it on my son turns around and runs to the curtains and like has a little belt and he does the full John Cena entrance to Justin announcing him and I remember watching and I just bawled I just cried and like it was the it was so great and like I said he talks about that to this day and he's eight years old now and stuff so it's just like <laughs> surreal moments like that like I'm like, holy crap. Like, you remember when I was John Cena, mom? 
Yeah, he loved, it was so cool, you know, and then of course, Justin posted that on, uh, on social media. So it kind of went semi-viral there for a minute and it pops <laughs> up on memories every year. So he loves to relive, relive that every time it pops up. So it's, it's a very, there's several, I mean, I could talk all night about surreal moments where I'm just like, holy shit, is this happening? <laughs> so again, I'm very, very thankful for this opportunities I've had in wrestling. That, that will make you a lifer. Yeah. I I, I don't cry very much especially in public but I didn't even care that day I was just (laughs) so we'll go by each category for this question what do you think are the important traits you must have to be a first thing valet a valet um oh that's a good question um I feel like that's kind of harder for me to answer because obviously I watched up close and personal before I just did it. Um, and I think it, I think it depends on if you're a, a baby face or a heel, you yeah. know, a complete different psychology. You really, well, the bases really like we're going back to bases. You've got to be willing to listen and learn. You've got to, a lot of people come into it and they're just kind of like fans transitioning into doing these little, what they call like little gigs or whatever in these wrestling shows. And they, they think, oh, well, this is easier because I'm not wrestling. You know, I can do this because it's not wrestling. And so what ends up happening is they go and they just do what they want to do. And then the biggest thing that I see is they end up taking away from the match that they want all the attention on them. And people have to realize that your job as a manager or valet is you want to add to it. You're adding little things to the story that they're telling and the thing, but you never want the full attention on you unless it's something like, you know, you want to distract what's going on in the ring. So that way the person you're working with can get over or, you know, whatever they're doing in there. Um, that's a big thing is just learning those things and being willing to learn, not just coming in, letting your ego get in the way and just like, I'm going to do this the way that I want to do it. um that's sort of like a big characteristic I love working with people that are like okay um like how can I do better like I'm I'm listening I'm turning off the mouth I'm turning on the ears how do I do this position how do I get better at this um that's a big characteristic thing is listening we got to listen and that's really like the basis of like a lot of positions and stuff like that. Um, you always talk about, you could probably ask anybody in the wrestling world. Ego is a big deal. Everybody has some degree of an ego in wrestling because you almost have to, to some degree. But if you have too much of it, you know, it's going to be more bad for you than it is good. You make a lot of enemies real fast. Real fast. And I see... What I just talked to somebody about this recently too, because a pattern I see, especially now that like, you know, I'm 15 years in and I can kind of look and observe and know what's happening and see the writing on the wall is everybody comes in and they get their little, um, they get going really good and get some traction and stuff like that. And they're like, Oh, I'm hot shit. I'm on a roll. You can't tell me shit. (laughs) And that, you know, that egos and then everybody has to fall. You have to have that ego check. You have to fall and everything and you have to you and you got to work that back up and learn to stay here and not you know you got to treat everybody you know it's like you know the ceo says you know you treat the ceo the same as you do the janitor because you Mm -hmm. never know you know who you're going to be when you're going past them you never know who you're going to fall back you know to whenever you're coming down 
And yeah, I've seen it time and time again where people go through the the ego parade is what I call it. <laughs> you know, they they go up and everything and then they come back down and they're like, okay, I'm sorry, I acted this way. I shouldn't have done it. And I'm just like, it's cool. I get it. I know. I know what this is. <laughs> and you know, and it's usually after, but at usually nine times out of 10, after they go through that, it's that's when they really hit their best because that's when they want to work hard and they really want to prove themselves. And, you know, they've had that, that humility check. And so like, that's where I see the best out of people usually. Well, before we got way off subject there, but. <laughs> no, but, it's all good. You explained it. Right. Yeah. What about for a ring announcer? What do you think of the important traits of being a ring? Um, a trait, you've got to be very, um, Full of shit. <laughs> you just got you to gotta be able to. No, I not full of like shit. You gotta have the gift of gab and the ability yes. to just come up with BS and entertain. Yes, right. You've got to all night. All night. You've got to improv. You've got to be organized. You've got to understand what's going on. You've got to know your people because you never know when you're going to be thrown a wrench from behind the curtains that you don't have communication with. Um, there's things like that. You've got to be able to just things change on the fly like crazy. And as a ring announcer, you've got to be able to ride that chaos. So like, that's a big thing. Um, I feel like that's a big characteristic as far as like skills go, like when I'm training people for ring announcing, a lot of people want to ring announce through their throat. They want to just yell and everything. And I'm like, you are going to lose your voice so quick. And I'm like, you've got to like speak from your gut. <laughs> like you got to project that from your gut, not your throat. You Use your diaphragm. Yeah. But then, you know, you can't really like talk somebody through that. They've got to kind of like play to figure that out too. So that's always funny to go through and everything, but you definitely, you have to not be a, you can't be shy in front of the crowd. Cause there's so many people that get out there and they kind of freeze and they start talking and you gotta be self-aware, like listen to yourself like you know are you too close to the microphone does it sound like you're eating the, your words right <laughs> like don't sit there and do this or you muffle yourself like you know you see singers do this for a reason like when they're singing you like you got to listen to yourself and be aware of how you sound and stuff always do your sound check <laughs> and last but not least uh, color commentary color commentary uh Ooh. <laughs> the improv the improv is big again um you know now you are you, do you announce by yourself or you got a tag team partner it, it just depends um where i'm at i have not well yes i have i did solo on half of a show one time and i did not like it <laughs> it was especially as a color commentator because like you know it's a little bit easier to do solo if you're doing play-by-play -play because you're just calling what you're seeing but when you're color you're just kind of you're talking like you're just you know you're usually more of like a filler so when you're just a color commentator especially like there's some shows where I've done color commentary where nobody ends up giving me any information about themselves or you know their characters or anything and I'm like I don't know <laughs> so like I just have to you know just come and comment on you know 
what they're presenting in front of me, like what I'm seeing with their skills and, um, you know, what, how their character work and their crowd work, you know, what's going on in front of me. And right. again, that's really limiting. So that improv skill again, like that really has to come into play there because it's, you can't have awkward dead space. You've got to keep to, and that's, I do struggle with that. There's, it depends on who I'm working with. There's some people where that's easy for me to do, but there's other people where I'm like, I just, you know, the chemistry is just not there. So you're just like, uh, so, <laughs> uh, but that's the newest thing that I've done. So that's still a work in progress that I want to continue. And like, I just signed on like eight dates, I think six or eight dates for next year doing call and commentary for a, um, a Texas based place. And then the biggest reason why is because I want to get more bookings underneath me with color commentary. So that way I can do better at that, sharpen those skills and do, but that's what I, that's the thing I need to work on the most out of all the things I've done. I feel like. Being in the business for 15 years, what advice would you give to someone just breaking in the business in general that you yourself did not know about when you broke in? Hmm. One, like just one thing um whatever it's popped in your mind never never stop learning never think that oh, i got once this once you're done training you're done like oh i've trained i'm done with training like if you're a wrestler and if you're a wrestler like going to the gym and not training is enough going and training and not going to the gym is not enough like if you, if you're, if your goal is to just, you know, what people call a weekend warrior and you just want to work your local shows, like sure, do whatever you want. But if your goal is to get higher and higher and do better and do better, do better, you've got to dedicate your, their, all of your career to it. You can't just stop training. You can't just stop trying to do better with your, your looks. And you've got to, you know, do your branding too. You can't just fully rely on what you're doing in the ring. Like wrestling comes with like branding yourself as well. You've got to be on your social media game and everything. And, and then it goes back to like, you've got to keep your ego in check, like treat everybody kindly because you have no idea what situation you're going to be in 10, 15 years from when you started. You have no idea who you're going to be working with. You have no idea what's going to be said about you because everybody talks in wrestling. So make sure they're talking positive things, not negative. If your career ended tomorrow and you could just sum it all up by only using one word, what word would that be and why? Mm. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would say either sentimental, probably. Um, I feel like that's the word that comes to mind most. I think if my career ended tomorrow, I I feel like I'm very accomplished in the wrestling world. Um, I feel like I've been very fortunate enough to do a lot of things that, you know, six-year-old, five-year-old me would just not believe. And, um, you know, there's, you know, the kids and adults and other people that, you know, send me messages and they're thankful. They say that they're thankful to have somebody like me to look up to, which is wild to me that there's people out there saying stuff like that to me. Um, and so I'm very, I'm very grateful for the opportunities that have been 
laid in front of me and, you know, that I've got to work towards and stuff. And I hope that, uh, I said, if it ends tomorrow, but I'm just saying, I hope I can continue to do that. But if it ends tomorrow, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful for that. I would be satisfied. I would be very sentimental and very, it'd be very heartwarming to know that I've done the things that I've done and I've given to children. I've given to communities through the platform of wrestling. I've done a lot of things and I think, yeah, I think I'd be very grateful. It'd be very sentimental for me. Well, five years from now, where do you see yourself? Um, I want, talking about using platform, I eventually want to use wrestling as a platform for community outreach programs. And that's kind of like the goal that I'm in the middle of doing at the moment. Um, I think that there's a lot of diversity in the backgrounds of people in wrestling. You know, I have friends that have recovered uh, alcoholics, recovered um, addicts of different kinds. I've had um, friends in wrestling that have been homeless that have, I mean, the backgrounds that people, you know, you see in wrestling are crazy. And I think that that should be utilized to give back to people. And I think that it's a good platform to do that. You know, on top of everything else that I do, I'm a cosmet I have my cosmetology license. So I do hair and stuff on the side and do skincare on the side as well. And so like, I want to do, you know, events where we can um, give free haircuts to kids, you know, going back to school or for the homeless or things like that, you know, and have like wrestlers mingling with these people. You know, I want to go and work with rehabilitation programs and, you know, just be inspired because, you know, there's so many people, including myself that say, you know, wrestling saved my life. And it has, you know, for a lot of people. And I want to show people that, that, that wrestling can be something no matter what you're doing in it and stuff. And, you know, because, you know, sometimes, you know, people that are struggling with addiction or, you know, that are homeless, you know, they, they need sometimes that motivation or that goal. And, you know, I would love to not only help these people, but inspire and, you know, just really be involved with the community and, you know, in, in the youth programs and stuff like that. That's kind of a goal of mine. So I'm hoping in five years, I'm super deep into doing those things. Cosmetologist as well. When I say multitasking champion, you're into cosmetology you say you do hair yeah i do skincare oh, hair. thank god because i've had such a hard time with this <laughs> yeah i, really I don't know am. what to do with it so that's where like the skincare comes in i can help you with that also oh, it's skincare okay i do both i do it all again multitasking <laughs> She has bald guys like us, Scotty, covered. If if Killing the Business Worldwide ever starts our own promotion, we're hiring you to be our producer. I've, I've got the experience. It sounds like it. you know how to do all that stuff backstage. I, I love it. I love producing. It's so much fun to me. I like the theatrics. I love helping characters be brought to life. Like, okay, let's look at this person's character. How can we make this bigger and better? Like, how can we make you look bit larger than life. I love doing stuff like that. So what events do you have coming up? Um, I am to, let's see, today's Thursday, isn't it? So tomorrow I'm at Texoma Pro Wrestling in Sherman, Texas. Um, they are doing their, I believe the title of that show is Monsters Bash. We had the Briscoes coming in, which is really exciting. Um, we just had, I love getting to work there because we just had the Von Erics come in, Marshall and Ross, which I love working with them. They're really good friends of mine. Um, 
And then after that, um, the following Friday on the 27th, I'm back up here in Tulsa for Core Pro Wrestling. Um, they're doing their Halloween show up here too. Um, I cannot remember at the moment who's all going to be there, but Core always, one thing I love about working for Core is how diverse their cards always are. You're every single type of fan, no matter if you like um, Lucha style wrestling, if you like the high flying, you like old school, no matter what, there is a match for you. Like, I love the diversity there on that show. Um, so I'm there next Friday. And then I'm actually the day after up here in Tulsa, I'm doing a smaller show. Um, it's a burlesque show tied in with wrestling show. So you get a burlesque show and wrestling in one. And I oh, love, wow. I, I do these every year and they're so much fun. <laughs> Where can people find you on social media? And if you sell merchandise, where can people go? Um, so you can find me on social media. Um, it's just Annalyn or all about Annalyn. Um, and my Twitter is all Annalyn. So it's all some version of that. <laughs> and I'm actually in the process of getting, um, I, ha I always have eight by tens and stickers for on sale. Um, but I'm actually in the process of 15 years in the game and getting my first ever run of t-shirts done. <laughs> nice. um, I'm finalizing the design right now and I should have all that information up with hopefully within the next week. And I'm really excited. I'm excited to share the design with everybody. Um, a really good friend of mine is working on it. Um, so yeah, all about Anna Lynn or all Anna Lynn and Facebook is just Anna Lynn. So really easy to find most of the time. Scotty, TJ, any final questions or thoughts? Hey, you know, uh, talking about those, uh, the support of your family, your mom, hey, them uh, grand grandmas and grandpas are pretty awesome, aren't they? Yeah, my, my mom, I cannot, every chance I get to talk about my mom, I take it. She is a saint. She is my rock. She's been through really what I mean, like you're there as a mom, you know, you're there for your kids and stuff like that. But I feel like she goes beyond that. You know, she's really, like I said, I don't think I could have went through the worst time of my life the last few years without her. And she helped me a lot with my kids. If we all get sick or something, like she drops everything <laughs> to come help. I love her so much. Oh my gosh. She's my biggest supporter. And she's the reason why I started school. She's the reason why I got my cosmetology license. Like She's going to be living good if I ever make it rich. <laughs> By the way, Scotty, Scotty said that, but he's only 28 years old and is a grandfather. <laughs> People from Georgia. Grandfather, yes. 28 years old. No. No, <laughs> no it sounds like you got your sounds like you got your handfuls and sounds like you've got your stuff figured out. My pleasure coming on here and listening. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's my honor to be here. I like chatting about wrestling. I said I love talking about wrestling any chance I get. So I appreciate it. And for the record, Scotty's 26. But that's besides my <laughs> <laughs> now you just make me sound like a pedophile. See, I'm the opposite. I tell people all the time that I'm like 63. I tell them you know, I'm older than I actually are. <laughs> I just have good skincare as an esthetician. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> most awesome looking grandma I've ever seen. <laughs> well, Anna, you're awesome. Thank you very much for coming on tonight. Uh, anything we could do for you in the future, so let us know. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, thank you for coming on. And thank you for listening. Thank you for watching, everyone. This is Killing the Business Worldwide Lives. The main event. And we are all out.
That was right.